Thanks for joining us today on the Harvest Podcast. Before we go to today's message, we want to invite you to check out our website, www.harvestagokc.com. Again, that's harvestagokc.com. Now here's today's message. We pray that it will bless your life as you listen. This morning I want to share a message with you that's called The Blessing of Tithing. I should have just called it The Skinny on Tithing. Just stuck with the video, but we're going to call it The Blessing on Tithing. Last week, Pastor Mike preached a fantastic message on who's blessing who. And if you didn't hear last week's message, I want to encourage you to go online to the website, check out the podcast, and listen to that message because it was spot on with where we're at. And it will help us to uh, springboard forward to where we're going. Now, if you've been being faithful and reading your book with your family and going through the process, like we've asked you to, chapter 3 is this week. Um, I want you to really focus in on this week, uh, on chapter 3, at, d- have the discussion questions with your family. I promise you, it will benefit you and bless you through this process as you're reading through this, as you're going through it with your family, teaching the next generation how they're supposed to be involved in, in honoring God's word. It's not something we just learn. You don't learn it from osmosis. You can't sleep on your Bible, stick it under your pillow, and hope that it'll soak in. You actually have to read it and then go put it into practice. And so make sure you're, you're doing that. Again, if you haven't gotten one of those, see us after service. We'll be happy to get one, for, um, one, one copy for your family because we're almost out of them because of how many we ordered. This week, um, it's, a, it's a message that's going to help us really grasp what tithing is all about. It's a foundational message that I come back to in my own life on a regular basis. You know, I should have had a five-hour energy. That way I could just uh, jibber-jabber and poke fun at Pastor Mike like he did last week with me, right? Now, I want you to know, I didn't hold him down on the desk upstairs and hold his mouth open and pour that thing down and start saying, you are, no, I'm just kidding. Maybe I did, no, I didn't do that. But anyway, today I want to talk about the, uh, there's three things we're going to look at with the blessing of tithing. We're going to talk about the blessing, the plan, and the assurance of tithing. Tithing, for some of you, you're going to go, this is old hat. I know all of this. I get it. I do it. Good for you. I'm really, I'm seriously, good for you. There's a whole whole other segment of us that we need to be reminded. And all of us can use the reminder, but there's some of us that we need to understand it for the very first time. So when we talk about the blessing, the blessing of tithing, who says it's more blessed to give than it is to receive? Now, as a kid, we love receiving, don't we? At Christmas, do the kids care if they got you anything at all? Nope. Not one bit. They love opening those presents. Now, in our house, early on when the kids were younger, it wasn't so much about what was in them. It was about the fun they could have tearing the, the boxes open. Hayes is, is two, he'll be two and a half at Christmas, and, and we're hoping we can get one more year out of not having to really give him any presents. Just, just kidding. Just give him empty boxes and call it good with stuff inside. I don't think it's going to work, but we'll see. We, we love, as kids, we love to get something. And when we get older, it's nice to be thought of. But it's still not about give. It's not about receiving. As we get older, we understand, especially when you have kids. And when kids are at Christmas, doesn't it make all the difference in the world? When you have little ones running around the house at Christmas time, it is so much more fun because they are so excited. And as parents and as grandparents, we understand how much joy it, it brings us when we give them something and they are elated and they light up and wow. But who said that it's more blessed to give than it is to receive? Well, Jesus did. But he didn't say it, I don't think, in any of the Gospels. I find it in Acts chapter 20, verse 35. And this is the second part of the verse. 
It says to keep in mind the words of our Lord Jesus, for he said it is more blessed to give than to receive. So it kind of brings us to the question the pastor went through last week. Really the question is how blessed do you want to be? How blessed do you want to be? Malachi 3.10 says that if, if God's people will give a tenth, which is what tithe means, that he will pull out all the stops to bless them physically. He actually gives us permission to test him in our giving. Makes it pretty simple, doesn't he? You know, when I read it, it makes it really plain, really right there straightforward. Now, that, that, that verse in Malachi, when it says to test him, the, the Hebrew word is also used interchangeably with examine. Examine him. Check and see. Right now, we're in a, the political cycle in America, and, and we have a presidential election coming up. And I want to encourage all of you to go examine the candidates and their platforms. I'm not going to tell you who to vote for, but go examine them. Go look at their track record. Go look at what they've said. Go look at what they stand for. Examine them. Test them. Examine what they've said they would do and see if they've ever done it in the past. Examine what they stand for. Examine everything. Same type of thought when it comes to test the Lord in this. Try him. Examine his word. When we look back in the Old Testament, we find such an amazing display of God's favor for those who examined the Lord and said, this is what his word said, and then went and put it into practice. God threw open the windows of heaven, which is what he promised in Malachi 3. He said, if you will test me in this, see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out on you a blessing you'll not be able to withstand it all. You'll not be able to hang on to it all. Examine him. Look at the past track record and see if this doesn't make sense in your life today. Look and see what he says. Check him out. Jesus repeats that same promise of blessing in Luke 6, 38. Here's where Jesus said that a good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be poured into your lap. Now, the way I see it, that's a pretty big blessing, isn't it? Pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be poured out in your lap. I'll take that, wouldn't you? Now, sometimes we have a hard time really digging into that, and let's just be honest. Sometimes they're like, eh, I'm not really sure that that's really true. But Jesus said here, the measure that you use to give is the measure that will be given back to you, indicating that God's returns blessings in proportion to the amount that we give. It's not so much that God's looking at the amount as much as he's looking at a percentage. What are you doing with what God's given you? The more you give, obviously, the more you would receive. But there's also a big deal in there with are we good stewards, and we're not going to get into that today. We're going to save that. But there's a stewardship, stewardship process that we all got to hang on to. So if, the, if God's word says, if you'll give, he'll give back to you, and the measure you used to give is what he'll give back to you, why do not more Christians tithe? Why doesn't every single Christian in the world pay their tithes? Return to the Lord, what's his? Well, let's be honest. Some might be afraid that God won't really keep his word. Sometimes we get afraid that God's not going to do what he said. Now, we may not voice that. We may not actually say that. But actions speak louder than words. So we get afraid, we get terrified that, you know, what if I do this, I don't know how I'm going to cover that. I don't know how this is going to work. I'm just not sure. So we, we don't say it, but our actions indicate our attitude in this regard. Others are opposed to the health and wealth gospel, giving to get. And we would never advocate giving to get. We're, we're taking this time and we're focusing on what God's, the benefit of trusting God is. There are benefits, Right? When you take a job, they give you a benefit package. Here's what comes with what you do. Because you're a full-time employee, we're going to give you these set of benefits, and this is what you've earned in addition to your income. 
That's a great thing to have if, you're, if you have a benefit package. Typically, the longer that you've been with a company, the more education that you have, the higher up the food chain your job is, the more benefits that come with it. The more you give, the more that comes to it, more that comes along with that. It's the same thing. So if God's word says he will bless you if you give, why would we not put it into practice? I'm not for the give to get idea. We give to give because God's word says that if we'll honor him, it belongs to him in the first place. But if we'll honor him, he will throw open the floodgates. Malachi 3.10 and Luke 6.38 we're not written to encourage us to manipulate God through selfishness. They weren't, they weren't written for us to manipulate him through. Can you manipulate God? How many of you think you can manipulate God? No? None of you? How many of you have ever tried? Come on, be honest. That's, I'm trying to get, I, I haven't figured out how to get both hands and feet up at the same time while I'm standing one of these days. I don't think you'd want to see me try that. Here's the thing. We can't manipulate God. He knows our hearts. He knows our motives. He knows why we're doing what we're doing. God knows everything about it. Let's just be honest with him. You know, in our prayer lives, one of the things that we, we really um, we, we want to strive to do is have an efficient and effective prayer life. I want to be able to pray and ask God to do so. But sometimes when my mind is so focused on something else, I get caught off guard. So if you find in your life that one day you are, are just worried about your finances, Talk to the Lord about it. Don't try to manipulate him. Lord, I paid my tithes. You're going to have to do what you say. No, no, just be honest. God, I don't know how we're going to make it. I'm trusting you, and I've done this. But I don't know how I'm going to make it. It's not about manipulating God. It's about putting his word into practice, about doing what it says. You see, the, the passages that we find in God's word about rewards of giving show us that God wants to work through us. Every passage that God says, I'll do this if you'll do your part, Show us that God wants to work through us. But we've got to trust him in the process. I want God to work through me, amen? I want want God to allow huge amounts of funds to go through my hands. But you know what God won't do? Allow huge amounts of funds to go through your hands if you have sticky fingers. Is it about you or is it about him? Is it about what I can get from it, or is it about what he can pass through my hands to bless somebody else? It's not about give to get. It's about honoring him. Will he bless you? Is there an overflow from that? Sure. Do I have a problem with that? No way. But here's what his word plainly says. Trust him. Test him. Examine him in this. And if you do, see what God will do. See, but some Christians still aren't convinced that tithing is for today. We're not sure that this is still God's plan for right now. The idea of tithing, the idea that if I give to God, I'll get something back, that sounds good to us, but we're not sure that this really fits for today, and this is a common theological discussion that goes around, that tithing was for the Old Testament, it's not something that was taught in the New Testament, uh, and we're going we're gonna to cover this because I want us to really grasp it. I have straddled the fence on that in the past, but let me just assure you through what we're going to teach today, tithing is absolutely God's plan for today. 100% this is God's plan for today, and I'll show it to you. Tithing was common. Tithing was common among the first century Christians. You see, when when Jesus came, he died, he rose from the dead, empowered the church, the Bible makes it very plain that the disciples and all of his followers still went to synagogue. In other words, they still went to the Jewish temple. They still participated in the law. In fact, there was a big division 
in, in, in the book of Acts where they had to settle the debate of is the law still for today or is the law, they had, they had to settle that. And you find it over in about Acts chapter 16, it starts there with Paul's ministry picking up and, and all of the, the miracles and the things that God was doing through them. So when you see this, Acts chapter 3, Peter and, uh, uh, and John were headed down to the temple, they healed them. Where were they going? To the temple to pray. They were still participating in the normal, everyday Jewish life. So tithing was very much a part of it. In fact, historically, we can find tons of references in the church of the, of the new, uh, about the first century that they, even those who had converted, the pagans and, and the, the Greeks that had converted, they became tithers. They began to practice that and put it into practice and do what God's word said. We see that that was the case. Everyone was participating in it. Tithing refers to the practice of giving one-tenth or 10% of a person's income, income including money, crops, and animals. That's what the Old Testament referenced. That's what a tithe was. It's referenced more than 50 times in the Bible. Tithe is found 13 times. Tithes, plural, is found 13 times. And tenth is found 25 times. The emphasis is on this is where it starts. Now, I've heard people say that, you know, in Malachi chapter 3, it says to bring your tithes and offerings to the Lord. Both tithes, both of them are plural. I looked it up in the, in the, uh, in the, the, the Hebrew because I wanted to know. And you know what I found? That it was plural. Why? Because when it was written, the common currency of the day was your crops, was everything that you could harvest in. That's what they did. It wasn't like it is today where you go and you work a specific job, you get a paycheck, and that's what you paid your tithes on. So it's different. Back then, you would harvest and you had a, t- a tenth of all of those things that you would turn in, that you would bring to the storehouse. So that's the reason it was plural. Now, some people say, well, has, tithing was never mentioned by Jesus. Well, it was. And in fact, this verse we're going to look at, some, some people say that this verse is what Jesus said about tithing about himself. I think that's not really true. I think Jesus was rebuking wrong motivations in Luke 18, 12 when he said, when it says, I fast twice a week, I give a tenth of everything I get. Because in that passage, it's about the the poor person and the Pharisee that went to the temple at the same time. You have the the tax collectors, the person who's there who's saying, God, I'm not worthy. And you have the other person, the, the Pharisee saying, look at everything that I do, making himself better than he is. And Jesus was rebuking him for the wrong motivation of giving. God still looks at our heart even in this. But what we do see is that Jesus talks about tithing with the Pharisees and endorses it, but not at the sake of feeling like that's all there is to be done in our religious lives. Matthew 23, 23. It says, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You pay a tenth or a tithe of mint, dill, and cumin, yet you have neglected the more important matters of the law, justice, mercy, and faith. These things should have been done without neglecting the others. See, far too many times in church, we've made tithing about, wow, look at what I did. I'm good to go. I'm caught up with God. I wish it was that easy that you could punch your checklist and that was it. But God has always examined our heart. Now, the overflow of our heart should produce these things. That's why in the New Testament, under the New Covenant, the tithe is the beginning place. Radical generosity, and we're going to get to that in in the coming weeks, but radical generosity is the mark of the New Testament. The tithe was the beginning place. It was the, okay, I'm doing what I know the Lord wants for me and I'm honoring him, reminding myself that everything belongs to him. So I'm gonna do that, but I'm gonna, I'm gonna be, let my life be marked by radical generosity that when, when somebody needs something and I have it, they can have whatever it is. 
If I know somebody that needs a car and I have an extra, I'm going to give. If I know somebody that could use a room and I have an extra, I'm going to let them have it. It's that same kind of idea. Radical generosity is what we find in the New Testament. Many scholars today will say, well, that's what took place of the, of the tithe. I'm sorry. It's not the case. In fact, the book of Hebrews chapter 7, verse 2, it affirms in the New Testament the same tithing principle that predates the law. Because in, in, in Hebrews 7, 2, it says that Abraham gave a tenth of everything. Gave him a tenth of everything. Now, this is referencing when Abraham gave Melchizedek, the high priest, a tenth of all of the spoils of the battles he had just won. Gave him a tenth of everything. The problem is most of us think tithing started with the law. How many of you have ever believed that? I'll be honest. How many of you think tithing is what only found in the law forward? Well, it started way before that. The problem is the impact of Old Testament teaching for us should not be ignored today. The Old Testament has a lot to show us and a lot to teach us on how to be with God. No, we're not under the law but Paul told Timothy that all Scripture is, is inspired and it's useful in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16. The Old Testament gives examples for instruction and encouragement that Paul referenced in 1 Corinthians 10, 6 through 11. He gives all these references and says, here's what the Old Testament says and here's how it applies today. And then what we see is what we use the, the law correctly, the Old Testament gives valuable insights for us today. We've got to remember that the law is powerless to save. So just checking off our punch list is never going to be what it's about. Jesus fulfilled the law and provided a new covenant or a new way for us to have life with him. But that doesn't do away with the benefits of the Old Testament principles and precepts for walking with God. See, there are some that still believe that the Old Testament, the, the tithe begins with the law of Moses, but it predates that. Because tithing was instituted before the law. Like I just showed you in Hebrews 7.2, talking about Abraham paying the tithe to Melchizedek. Jacob tithed in Genesis 28.22. And both of those were before Moses gave the law about the tithe. Many pagan cultures, and this is the part historically that fascinates me. I love history. Uh, it was interesting. I was at my, my oldest son, Cade's parent-teacher conference. And things that I've said to him jokingly about just things that I like when he'll ask me, Dad, what was your favorite subject in school? What well, was history? I've always been fascinated with history. The very first day of school this year, they filled out this sheet. And on there, as a fourth grader, the question is, what's your favorite subject? What is my son right? I'm fascinated with history. Okay. I'm glad to know he's listening to something, right? <laughs> there are plenty of other things I'm glad he didn't write that I'm kind of glad he hadn't picked up on yet. You know what I'm saying? Because, I mean, let's just be real, we're not all perfect, and my home life is not a pulpit, you know. So there are times, you know, we, eh, I'm glad he didn't catch that, and I'm, I'm really glad that my daughter doesn't go to school and, and uh, uh, decide to tell all about um, the gross bathroom humor that goes on in our home, at, uh, in our house. I'm just thankful for that, because we're a bathroom humor kind of family, much to my wife's chagrin. She hates it, and let me tell you. I just grew up with uncles and with family that it wasn't a thing, and so it never was a thing. I've learned it's not, not so couth anymore, so I try to, you know, keep it tame. Doesn't always work. Here's the thing. Your kids pick up what you're doing. You know, as we've talked about tithe this last year for my son's birthday, and again, remember, this kid's fascinated with history. For his birthday, he, uh, he was gifted quite a bit of money from all of his, his friends and his family. He said, Dad, I want to pay my tithe, and then I want to give this much of it, which was a substantial amount, especially for a nine-year-old, 
It's a very substantial amount, but it was a more substantial percentage. I want to give that to help somebody who's poor or homeless. Okay. They're going to pick up what you're putting down. What's the overflow of your life? Again, he's looking historically at what he's seen, not, not just in our life, but in our family's life, my parents' life, and, and, and those that we're around on a regular basis when they talk about tithing. Uh, he hears that referenced. Again, that's not a pat on our back, but they pick up what it is that you do. So make sure that you're putting it out there in a way that everyone's going to understand it, that it's just a part of your life. You pay your tithes from the very get-go. Why? Because all through history, it's been a, tithe has been a, a principle in every religion. Pagans, the Assyrians, everybody they tithed. It was, it was just a religious thing that all of them did. Because that's the way they found that they could make things work, is if everybody paid a fair share. It's kind of like developing some kind of a tax structure in America. So it's the idea that everybody's doing it. But here's the thing. Only the tithe to the Lord comes with an assurance. Only the tithe and following his plan, is there any insurance in what you're doing? See, people all through history have tithed because of its great spiritual significance, not just because of a religious law that commanded it. When we pay our tithes, when we give back to the Lord what's his, we're demonstrating our attitude of gratitude to God. Giving a tenth is a great reminder for us that God actually owns the whole thing. Sometimes, and I, I fell into this trap, I've been really transparent through the, in this series about my struggles in, in learning the discipline of tithe. When, when I first kind of was grasping it, I struggled with the idea that 100% of it was God's. I was cool with, he can have 10%. But the idea that all of us can, eh, I'm not really sure about that. The more you get into it and understand that everything belongs to him, that all of it and all you're required to return is 10%, you kind of find out, hey, this is not such a bad deal. Let me give you another analogy, okay? It's kind of like this. I'm a, if I'm going to go on a trip and I'm going to be gone for two years, I'm going to be overseas, and I come to, to, to Pastor Kyle and say, Pastor Kyle, here's the deal. I'm going to be gone. I'm going to be out of touch. Here's what I need you to do. Every month, there's going to be this much money. I'm going to put $10,000 into this account. And all I need you to do is give $1,000 of that 10000 to my wife to take care of her. The other $9,000 you can do with what you want. Pretty good deal, right? Then I go, to, um, I, I go to, to, to Pastor Mike. I say, Pastor Mike, here's what I need you to do. In this account, I'm going to put $10,000. I need you to give $1,000 of that to my wife every month. The other $9,000 you can keep to do what you want with. And then I go to Pastor Tina, and I say, Pastor Tina, same thing. $10,000, all I'm asking you to do is give $1,000 to Rachel, make sure she's taken care of. The rest of it you can have to do what you want with. When I return, again, whose money was it? Mine. I put the money in the account, ask them to do one very specific thing, give 1000 of the 10000 they could keep the rest. Pretty good deal, right? So it's a pr pretty unique setup. So all I ask them to do, I come home and I find out that, you know, <laughs> Oh, Pastor Kyle, he would give her 500 sometimes, maybe 100 here or there. Didn't really do what was said to do. Pastor Mike was very generous, and he gave her 2,000. That's going to speak a lot to you, right? He didn't have to. The other 9,000, he gave her extra. I get to, to, to Pastor Tina and find out that she gave half of it to Rachel. Wasn't, wasn't her, it was her money to do what she wanted. 
But she went way over and above, right? Who do you think you're going to want to give more money to in the long run? The person who gave more. But the person who didn't even do what you asked them to do, even though it wasn't their money to begin with, and they got to keep the rest anyway, what do you think is going to happen to them? Not going to be very happy, right? Sorry, Kyle, you got the short end of the stick, buddy. (laughs) Not going to be very happy. Listen, same thing. All of the money that we have doesn't belong to us in the first place. We get to keep 90% of what the Lord entrusts to us to spend as we see fit. All he asks is that you start with 10% giving it back to him and the rest of it that you're a good steward with that and that you do what would honor him even through that. But you're allowed the the extra 90% to spend as you would like. It shows an attitude of gratitude when we return more than 10%, but we're to start with 10%. So it, it, it shows us, it's a reminder that God actually owns everything. Tithing demonstrates our faith in God to control our finances. Giving a tenth back uh, uh, to the source of our blessing signifies our gratitude to him. And in many cases, immediately after the first harvest in the Old Testament, after the first harvest, the owner would give a tenth of what's called the first fruits giving. And we've heard first fruits referenced because we've taught on this before. But let me give you a couple of examples of first fruits can be found in Exodus 23, 16. It says, also observe the festival of harvest with the first fruits of your produce from what you sow in the field. Then over in 2 Chronicles 31.5, it says, When the word spread, the Israelites gave liberally of the best of their grain, new wine, oil, honey, and all of the produce of the field, and they brought in an abundance, a tenth of everything. And then one more verse in Proverbs 3.9, it says, Honor the Lord with your possessions and with the pro- first produce of the entire harvest. A first fruits offering shows us, it, it, that, that giving shows our trust in God to provide the rest. See, when you gave the first, you were trusting God to redeem the rest of it or to make it whole and provide what you didn't have. So when we talk about first fruits, imagine this. You're a farmer. You're raising sheep. How many of you would like to be a goat herder? Anybody? Anybody want to be a goat herder? I didn't think so. Sheep are nasty animals. I'm just going to say they're nasty. I've been around them. Mm -mm, No fun. And then when it's time to shear them, no, thank you. Pass. But you raise them. A first fruits offering would be this. You have the first one, the first, the first sheep is born. You would bring that sheep in as an offering and give it to the Lord before the other nine ever showed up. You were trusting God with the one you gave to redeem the rest and provide what you didn't have. So in the Old Testament, when they gave the first fruit, they were giving number one, in hopes and belief and trust and in faith that the other nine God was going to make happen in their life. Now, that's a pretty massive principle to understand. Here's the thing that I've learned in my life. The 100% that I have will never go as far under the curse than the 90% under the blessing. Math doesn't naturally work that way. Let me just tell you, I have had those months when you're sitting there, you're going, I don't know how we're going to do it. But you write that first check to the Lord, and you pay your tithe, and then you watch the next 90% will cover more than you could ever ask or imagine or dream because it has God's blessing on it. 
I'm not making this up. I'm telling you from my own personal experience of watching it happen. Trust the Lord in this. Test him. See what he will do. Don't, don't, don't. Let me give you another example. My friend Josh attends a church at a, a church in Dell City. He and his wife Andrea, when they were, were newlyweds, um, Josh was a youth pastor at the church, and they were really trusting the Lord. They were in a building program at church, and the pastor had challenged them, hey, listen, we want you to pray about doubling your tithe every month while we're in this building program, something we felt like the Lord put on our heart. We want you to try it. If I said that to you, some of you would go, holy cow, you, you, uh-uh. you crazy. That ain't in the Bible, preacher. It wasn't. It was just something they were trying. They were testing the Lord in. So Josh and Andrew, they were doing that. She worked for the FAA. She had a wonderful job with FAA. It was a contract job. All of a sudden, she walks in on a Monday and found out that the contract had ended and she no longer had a job. They've made this commitment to double tithe because they felt like the Lord put it in their heart to do it. They're making this commitment and they continued. She has no idea what they're going to do, but when her paycheck came, they still wrote that check for 20%. Had no idea. The next Monday, she gets a call. Hey, Andrea, guess what? We just got a new contract. We'd like to hire you for it. And in fact, it's a promotion. And you're going to make almost double what you were making before. And on the other side of their faithfulness to that, what they learned and saw was this, that their new tithe on 10% of what they're making now equaled the 20% tithe they had been giving before. When we trust the Lord in this, we see that the, the plan comes, the, the blessing comes with a plan that produces an assurance in our life. It produces an assurance that we can do what God said we can do. See, tithing strengthens our devotion to the Lord. The discipline of tithing helps eliminate unwise spending. How many of you could help use some help in that to eliminate some unwise spending? I, we all could do that. You didn't need that extra pair of shoes, Starla. Just saying. I know, I know Mike earned it, but still, I'm just kidding. We all have those moments, right? We have those times when we need to eliminate those, those areas in our life. Maybe you didn't need to eat out that much. Maybe you could have been wiser with what you did. But oftentimes, we pay our tithe, and then we tr- still try to spend 90% like it's 110%, and that never works. Tithing expands the amount of good that we can do for the kingdom, and it helps us stay on track spiritually. We put our treasure where God wants it to be and our heart follows that. That's why Matthew 6, 21 says, for where our treasure is, there our heart will be also. That's where I want my heart is where he says it should be, amen? And when we put our tithe there, our treasure shows us the way to get there because tithing assures great blessing from God. Tithing assures great blessing from God. You see, God pours out blessing from heaven when we obey him by tithing. God promises abundant physical provision. I'm glad. Because there are times I need something physically. Yes, I need a spiritual uh, uh, boost in my life, but sometimes I need a physical outpouring of his blessing. That's why Malachi 3, 9 and 10 says this. You're suffering under a curse, yet you, the entire nation, are still robbing me. Bring the full tenth into the storehouse so that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord of hosts. See if I will not open the floodgates of heaven and pour out a blessing for you without measure. See, Jesus' promises to care for our physical needs when we put him first. That's why Matthew 6, 31 through 33, Jesus said this. So don't worry, saying, what will we eat or what will we drink or what will we wear? For the idolaters eagerly seek all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. 
But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Whose? Whose righteousness? We're supposed to seek his first and he'll take care of ours, right? Seek first his righteousness and all of these things will be provided for you. Now, you know me, I like numbers, I like statistics, I like to see the real world the way it is. Here's the thing. The average contribution in American churches is approximately 2.5%. If tithing would increase to 100% participation, 100% participation, every church's budget would increase by 400%. Y'all catch that? I know it's numbers, but I mean, come on, think about it. That's across the board. Now, let me say this about this church. It's not necessarily true reflection about this church. You guys are some of the most giving, generous people I have ever known in my life. Your faithfulness to the Lord is unmeasured across the, the board in this. These are just national averages. Imagine what could happen. Imagine the attitude and the excitement of a church where generous spirit is common where we all get tithing, we understand the Lord's principle here. Imagine what would happen. Imagine all the ministries that could be funded. Imagine the missionary work that could be done if everyone would just start with the 10%. See, God encourages us to test him by tithing. But that test comes with a warning. I love warnings, don't you? I love that that warning light that comes on when you're entering a school zone that reminds you, you better slow down or you're gonna get a big fat ticket. We like warnings, right? But I also love warnings that that say, hey, if you do this, let me tell you what's going to happen on the other side. The blessing is going to be huge. I love those kind of warnings, and that's the warning that God gave. God's warning says, you know what, if you test me in this, here's what's going to happen. I'm going to throw open the floodgates of heaven. Now, I love floodgates. My family is uh, uh, from near Lake Eufaula. I can remember during flood years, we'd go down to the lake, and they would open up the floodgates and watch what God would do. He would throw open the floodgates of heaven, and water's just rushing out as they open them up. Imagine that that's what God's doing in your life with blessing. Sometimes we want to put a financial dollar amount on it, and sometimes it doesn't work that way. Sometimes God's blessing to us is that your car didn't break down, your house didn't catch fire. Sometimes God's blessing to you is that the the drunk driver headed your way, ran out of gas. Sometimes God's blessing to you is that you have your health. Sometimes God's blessing to you is measured in so many other ways. See, when we give to God, what it does is it opens up the floodgate of His blessing that can't be measured. It's so much so that you can't even begin to imagine the amount. It's kind of like something that's valuable, but you can't put a price tag on it. I I remember Pastor Mike telling me that he inherited this huge ivory tusk from Pastor Dan when he died. It's huge. It's it's unbelievably valuable. You can't get them anymore. It's against the law to bring them in now from Africa. This was done legally, let me say that. But he has this, it's beautiful, it's amazing. But you know what the insurance company says? We can't put a price tag on it, it's too valuable. Because you can't get it anymore. Oh, come on, get this. God said if we'll trust him, what's he going to do? He's going to throw open the floodgates of heaven, and he's going to pour out a blessing on you so much so that you can't contain it all. That blessing is going to be more than what you can put a price tag on. That blessing is going to be more than what you can add up in your bank account. That blessing is going to be that, you know what, at the end of the day, you had more money than you had month. The blessing is going to be that at the end of the day, you were able to buy gas, you were able to feed needs, you were able to take care of somebody who had something they needed that you had. God's blessing is more than just a dollar amount. 
But it starts with us honoring him in the first place in this small amount of giving God back 10% of what belonged to him in the first place. Listen, if 100% of you started tithing and the church's budget increased 400%, can I just put your your mind at rest? It's not going to change anything for me. It's not like all of a sudden I'm going to get a whole bunch of more money. It doesn't work that way. The board sets my salary. I don't have a say in any of that. I don't want to say in any of that. You know what else I'll never know? How much money you give individually. You know why? Because that doesn't matter to me. It doesn't matter to me if you give $5 or you give $5 million. What matters to me is that you're honoring the Lord, that we're all on this journey together, and that you are doing what God asked you to do, just like I'm trying to do what God asked me to do. I have to practice this just like you have to practice this. I can't do this by proxy. I can't pay my tithe for you. I want to close by telling you one funny story about this. One of the families in the church, they've been out in the hospital for a while, and I was up at the hospital seeing them, and I'm going to leave them nameless on purpose. But she asked me, she said, now, I know we've not been there to pay our tithe, but I was noticing on the bank statement that there's an amount taken out of our checking account. Are you taking the money out? Are you just pulling it out of the bank electronically? No way. I said, did did you go online and like set that up for an auto giving kind of thing? Because you can do that. You can set it up for recurring giving. It'll do it all by itself and you'll never have to worry about it. If you want to do that, you're welcome to do that. It's available on our church website. That's up to you. Here's the thing. I can't do that. She said, well, I just assumed you got the numbers off the bottom of the check. I said, I'm sorry, but a life in prison and an eternity in hell is not worth stealing your tithe. I want you to enjoy God's blessing. God's blessing on your life will cover so much more than you could ever give to make happen. But it starts with being faithful in this small thing. And every time we're paid, we get to take the test of whether or not we're going to honor the Lord with our tithe and His offering. As we're in the middle of of our, our missions pledges right now, you know what, as you're honoring the Lord in that, God's blessing will cover way more than what you could ever give. I want God's blessing on your life. I want, I want every one of your Listen, it doesn't matter if your first, first tithe is a dollar or if it's a hundred dollars or a thousand or a million. But Dale Carnegie, one of the richest men to have ever lived in America, said, I could have never paid my first, my first tithe of a million dollars had I not paid my first tithe on a hundred dollars starts in the small areas. So let's be faithful to the Lord in that. But here's the thing. I don't want you to ever feel like you're less than if you've struggled with tithing. Again, the tithe is just a test that we we take every time we get paid to determine in our own hearts if we're going to trust the Lord with His provision. It's the only place that we can examine or test God and see if His Word will be proven true again in our lives. And when we examine His track record, we're not only Not only will we be full of confidence in his ability to accomplish much more than we thought, but we're going to want to be on his side. Every head bowed and every eye closed. You know, today, maybe you're here and you say, you know what, Pastor Travis, I have struggled to honor the Lord. I've struggled. I've struggled to put him first. I've struggled to trust him. I've struggled that he's going to... He's going to come through. 
just be honest enough and raise your hand? There's nobody looking around. I've struggled to trust him that he's going to do what he said he would do. Would you lift up your hand? I have my hand up. You know, here's the thing today, folks. Here's what I want more than anything for you. It's for you to have an added measure of faith to trust him beyond anything you could ask or imagine. I want God's absolute best in your life. You know what, here's what I want us to do. If everyone would stand all across the room, I'm gonna ask our prayer team to make their way down around these altars. And maybe today you would say, you know what, I raised my hand because I've struggled to trust the Lord, but today you need to trust him in the area of tithe. You need to trust him for healing. Prayer team, go ahead and make your way. I need to trust him for healing. God needs to do something in your life. I need to trust him for a relationship that needs to be restored. You see, trust works itself out in a lot of areas. But if you're struggling to trust the Lord with your tithe, we want to to agree with you. And these men and women are not going to think differently of you for whatever you ask. No one is. But if you're struggling with trust, sometimes just having that added accountability of someone praying with you and patting you on the back and saying you can do it, will be enough to push you over the edge to give it a try and realize that you're not falling off of a cliff, but you're walking on streets of gold, the provision that only God can provide. So today, as we get to this time, if you raised your hand or you shouldn't, I'm struggling to trust the Lord, whether it's in tithing or whether it's in something else you need to trust God for, I want to invite you to come and let us begin to pray with you. And as you do, we're going to cheer you on because we all know what that's like. So if you raised your hand or you should have, I want you to get out of your seat. I want you to make your way this way. We want to pray with you. We want to agree with you. Come on, begin, begin to make your way this way.